Hello, everybody, and welcome to Devil Fruit Punch, the podcast where we read One Piece and then we talk about it. I am your host, President Barack Hussein Obama, and joining me today from the red wastes of Texas is Patrick Ramirez. Hey there, Mr. Obama. Uh, it's great to be here. Great to talk about the uh, Chuck's Notes One Piece. Uh, very excited <laughs> to be here. We're excited to have you as well, Patrick. And also joining me today is Matt. Let me be clear. I am, in fact, former President Barack Obama. The other man is an imposter. This is a bit that we will not do every time, but we are doing for the moment. Please enjoy this One Piece content. God bless America. God bless America. Today we will be discussing chapters, didn't say episodes, 106 through 129, talking about Whiskey Peak and just Whiskey Peak, right? No, just <laughs> Whiskey Peak and uh, Little Bird. Whiskey I'm Peace. pretty sure it's just Whiskey Peak. Anyway, oh God, okay. uh, Straw Hats make their way to Whiskey right. Peak with no help from Zoro. Rolling my sleeves up already. <laughs> <laughs> Luffy eats himself into a meat coma, and Zoro saves him from being captured by a shadowy organization known as Baroque Works. But Zoro rinses them all pretty easily. Uh, as it turns out, Baroque Works has a mole problem. Igaram and Vivi from the Alabasta Kingdom have infiltrated their cell. Nami convinces Zoro to help, but not before Luffy attacks him for going on a murder rampage. Vivi takes a hot, steamy lore dump all over them, and the crew is off to put down a peasant uprising. On the next island, Baroque Works interferes in the century-long committed relationship between two gay giants. <laughs> then... A, cra- a candle-headed freak tries to make statues out of Zoro, Vivi, and Nami before Luffy eventually washes him. Sanji wakes up from his nap just in time to intercept a message from the mysterious Mr. Zero, otherwise known as Crocodile, the leader of Baroque Works. And that's what happens in these chapters. Yes, sir. Way to condense it. <laughs> Thank you. So, before we get into this week's set of chapters, Patrick, do you have any questions that you would like us to clarify for you? I mean, we kind of touched on uh, my issue with the log pose from the last last chapters, and I think it gets exacerbated on this one, where I'm just kind of like, oh, this just makes no fucking sense. Like, you have to stay on an island for a year, so your magic compass, like... Becomes more familiar with the magnetic pull of that island, but uh, that's really my one issue with this whole thing, and I can let it go now because no, now, okay. now I'm just going to accept that it's like doesn't make sense. But whatever. just to clarify, uh, um, the one year thing that's not consistent, but, and, and that's part of what's so confusing yeah, and yeah, annoying like about this. Every island is different, exactly, um, and it doesn't help that they like immediately complicate the log pose thing by then introducing a whole other thing, which is the eternal pose. And there are different eternal poses that are going to different places, and yeah. it's all just, it's a lot. It's I, a lie is what it is, that's what it is. <laughs> Maybe you think of the log poses as, like, calibrating an instrument, you know? It's like, you have to, like, calibrate it to, uh, 
funnel like uh i'm just gonna call them shitty gps john they're (laughs) shitty gps (laughs) you have to like calibrate it to screen out the background radiation which is the radiation from the island you're on i don't know yeah or or like an instrument you know like you know no matter how well you maintain your instrument if you're about to perform you got to tune it you know wow that's there's some innuendos in there matt i think (laughs) uh not what i was going for but yeah you know (laughs) want to be at the top of your game right (laughs) but i mean uh yeah that was that was my one question i i can we just can we just jump in because i wanted to say jump it yeah say something man so uh whiskey peak man like the first description of it beginning of these chapters i'm like there's live everyone's there's live music everywhere this guy's like a musician and there's like (laughs) ale flowing everywhere they make they make brew and i'm like i want to live there (laughs) and then it's immediately shattered like a few pages later but uh the initial reaction to like a place called whiskey peak where there's these live music musicians everywhere and the ale flows freely i'm like i could move there man yeah yeah i um you know i i feel like they should have been a little suspicious you know like you get to the grand line and it's like this legendary it's dangerous place. Arms. <laughs> yeah, and then the first island you go to is like, we're actually the most chill place that you could ever imagine. We it's just like, love pirates. Okay. <laughs> yeah, we love pirates. It's like, come on, you got to be a little skeptical of that. But I mean, we're dealing with Luffy here, you know. I uh, oh, I really oh, like the the panel where. <laughs> He's eating all the food, and like the chef is like passed out from exhaustion. <laughs> he's so out. Meat. <laughs> well, I think funny stuff. He's got X's on his eyes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, there, there's that arc where like Luffy's as round as fucking Pac-Man, and he's like going to the I don't know the bathroom or something. And I think that he put that on like the dead center of the volume that this is in. <laughs> I just thought that was so funny. Just yeah, round Luffy. He's he's round for the entire arc until like the last five <laughs> chapters, I think. Yeah, what he just wakes up to be a pain in the ass to the guy who saved the day. <laughs> I love yeah. when uh, Zoro like bounces himself off of Luffy's giant belly. Mm-hmm. Very funny. Well, yeah, it's cool too. Like they're they're working as a unit, you know. Like they've got these highly individual powers and abilities, but they're they're learning to work in tandem with one one another. Yeah, I think yeah, Zoro is starting to like, become more familiar with the unique nature of Luffy's body, and he's like. Well, yeah, if I can use him as a giant trampoline, I'm obviously going to do that. <laughs> uh, I wanted to talk about... Fight too. What was that? I was he's been passed out the entire fight, too, so... <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I wanted to talk about my first thing, which is very random and very unimportant, but it's actually in Chapter 107. In fact, it's the first panel of Chapter 107. Do you guys know what I'm referring to? Uh, no, but I'll pull it up now as you talk. First, um, first panel of 107, huh? Not even the first panel, the first page, actually. First it's before page. the chapter even starts. 107. Well, go ahead and fill some of this dead air while uh, Patrick and I get this so, up. So, <laughs> this is a picture, this is a drawing of Nami, Sanji, Usopp, and Luffy, and Zoro sleeping in the front of them. God, they look so hot. I just want to say that they are looking good in this picture, boy. Fucking Usopp is zaddy, dude. Oh, look I think I know what you're. I think I know what you're talking about. Look at him sitting on the couch, all casual and fucking. Oh man, they're all just you looking think, so good. You think Usopp looks hot? Yeah, buddy. That face just. I mean, I. 
I don't mean to hate here, but uh, I just I just can't handle his Pinocchio face <laughs> and, his, and his clown fish lips. <laughs> just oh it, man, I get I gotta I gotta stick up for my guy here. I mean, I, I think that he is really sexing it up here. Yeah, I'm looking at that too. I, look, I'm not saying Usopp is hot, but this is about <laughs> as hot as as you're gonna get from him. I, when I first saw this this drawing, I thought he had like heroin needles in his in his mouth. And no. I was like, oh, they're just like, man, they're on break. I just hit the microphone. Sorry to uh, the editor of this. <laughs> yeah, I, it's train spotting the One Piece edition. It's yeah. it's probably worth briefly mentioning. Uh, I don't remember if this really comes up in One Piece, but uh, Japan is extremely culturally averse to drugs. Um, like. <laughs> The, the idea of anybody, like, you could go to jail for, like, 20 years for, like, marijuana. I might be exaggerating a little bit, but, like, it, it's an extremely anti-anti-anti-drug culture. So you're, you're not going to see anything like that unless it's, it's a deeply troubled or villainous character. And, I mean, also, this is for children, and I think it's probably obvious by now, but, like, the, the Japanese cultural aversion to certain things for kids is way higher on things like drugs than it is for things like, oh, I don't know, beheadings and maimings. Yeah, yeah sex and violence get a bit more of a pass, but yeah. <laughs> Some things yeah. you just don't go to. So that's my thing. has nothing to do with any plot or anything like that, but I just, uh, that, that, that picture, that illustration really did it for me on a lot of different levels. When I also it, love that uh, Zoro is sleeping on the ground and Sanji just has his leg on top of him. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm really glad you called that out, though, honestly, because like, I've wanted us to talk about the covers a little bit more. It's just hard because so many of them are kind of random and apropos of nothing. Hmm. But they it just adds so much character to it. Like, It's just fun. He, he just likes these people. He likes showing them doing different things like this. Like, Usopp is drawing... You know, I think what he's actually holding are like manga pens, um, and he's holding up a picture that says "Don't Funk" with like a sunflower. You know, yeah. Sanji is picking up this bizarre thing with this like, I don't know, a skull with these random arrows. Everyone just says "goal" with a question mark, and it my, just says it's funky. My uh, <laughs> my read on this is that this is like an AU where the Straw Hat Pirates are like beatniks or like anti-war protesters or something like that (laughs) yeah yeah it's totally got that feel yeah and a lot of these covers i think he's just having a good time drawing these characters like what if this situation is happening like hey what if the whole crew dressed like um characters from the matrix like i'm I'm pretty sure that comes up at least once (laughs) dude i this is where we'll get like super off topics we don't have to get like super sidetracked or whatever but one of my favorite movies uh, i think it might be strong world it, the cover is just all of them in suits. Do you know what I'm talking about? Oh, that? yeah. I've seen the cover. I haven't seen the movie yet. Oh, it's so fucking cool. Just that picture nice. of all of them in black suits is so cool. All I've seen of the movies is uh, Red, um, which that was our episode zero. I'm, I'm really excited to check out more, though. Yeah, we should actually look up the movies and see where they fall in the canon so we can watch them as we go. That would yeah, be that, fun. Different media is fun. On a side note, uh, just to date ourselves a little, the, the One Piece Odyssey came out today. I, I have not played it yet, but I did buy it. Very excited. Yeah, maybe we can have a short segment on the next episode where we talk about it a little bit if we have some time to play between now and then. Yeah, that could be fun. Uh, Matt, was there anything you wanted to touch on? Yeah, I've I've got a couple notes, but um, there's I, I, honestly too many for this. But one I wanted to throw out, sorry, two that I wanted to throw out that I forgot to actually mention. 
Oh, no, sorry, I'm getting all mixed up. Okay, the one I forgot to mention is I really love the scene where Dracula Mihawk shows up with what's uh, revealed to be Red-Haired Shanks' crew and basically reveals that, you know, Luffy's a wanted man now and he's entered the Grand Line. And it, I really like that scene. It, it, it's only like a page, maybe two pages, um, but we're getting a little hint at the fact that, like, Red-Haired Shanks' crew has, like, a significant rep. Mihawk is like the you know the very first introduction we get to the Seven Warlords of the Sea, and it's like a really powerful introduction. You know, he wrecked like a hundred ships. He nearly murders like Zolo, and he could have killed him if he wanted to. Uh, he seems like an unassailable badass, and so for Mihawk to then kind of greet Red-haired Shanks with like a diplomatic like, "Hey, hands up, not here to start anything." Um. I think really suggests how far along Shanks and his crew have come. And on kind of a side note, we f when we find out who the leader of this mysterious organization is, uh, it's it, it's a real escalation of stakes, right? Like, the crew is going to be taking on a group that's led by another one of the Warlords of the Sea. So, like, in our heads, we're like, oh, wow, this guy's as tough as Mihawk. Like, are, are we ready for this? I thought we'd be at that level in, like, 300 chapters from now, but I guess we're doing it right now. Yeah, that's that's really a, a great point. I didn't I did not think about that that they are basically comparing Crocodile and Mihawk in terms of strength, and then they're saying, "Oh, well, Shanks is at least as powerful as that, if not more powerful." Yeah, yeah it, it's just totally. those little touches. Like it, you really don't need to do much to really just kind of do that world building. And One Piece is one of the best that there is at that kind of light touch world building. Totally. Um, all right. Well, if there's nothing else that we want to say about that specific thing, then, uh, Patrick, did you have another thing to add to the pile? Yeah, I was not expecting a duck chicken to, uh, the size of a horse to show up. <laughs> Carew. Carew is fucking low-key lit. I'm not gonna lie. I think Carew is pretty cool. I think Carew does pull his weight. Uh, yeah, for, for what eventually. he is, he's pretty cool. For a mode of transportation, he really... It really does the job, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Crew, uh, I, sorry, for, for me, Crew answered a question that I never knew I, I, I had to have asked, which is, can you turn a duck into an asshole? <laughs> and, like, <laughs> I like Crew a lot. He's got that great, like, Chilean hat or whatever. <laughs> but, man, <laughs> he's maybe even more cowardly than Yusuf sometimes, and, and he can't talk, but uh, he's just a, a big, goofy lumbering weirdo and uh it's fun having him around he sits down when uh miss wednesday's trying to leave <laughs> yeah, it's like no, i'm not gonna do that <laughs> yeah. this is only tangentially related because i'm just we're talking about Carew, so i wanted to bring up vivi am i interpreting it correctly that she pulls her little string and ball waste based weapons out of the nipple area of her boobs oh yes oh yes she does <laughs> okay. i saw that and i was like wow okay and they're like um there's like feathers or something on the end they're like tassels or it's like whatever. a bolo or something yeah or uh, not a bolo a, a boa i don't that kind I of shawl like feather thing like, yeah but they're very small oh like tassels <laughs> yeah 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 I, don't know. yeah I saw like i'm like oh okay so the herald guy pulls his bow his like Colonel Sanders tie and shoots the guns <laughs> out of his hair, which also not expecting that either. 
the, yeah like eight eight cannons in these dudes hair rolls i feel like there are like a lot of jokes happening with um igorim i think his name is yeah that are it, it's very rapid fire stacked on top of each other like we learned that this there's a group called baroque works and this guy kind of looks and acts like a baroque composer like there's this yeah this running gag where he's just doing vocal exercises like an opera singer um but then it's like hey doesn't that rolly kind of old school hairstyle kind of look like the rolls like like what if he shot missiles out of that it's just a very anime like looney tunes sight gag yeah that that was wild even having read one piece before some of the shit you go back to and you're like, wow, I really memory hold that. You forget, I don't yeah. that shit at all. <laughs> totally. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Um, all right, Matt, was there uh, another topic that you wanted to touch on? Yeah, yeah. Um, really quick, I remember the one other thing that I did not actually write down, but um, was anybody going to touch on the cactus spines of the cactus-like mountains in Whiskey Peak? Um, how their crosses? Yeah, I, I I hope nobody else had this, um, and I apologize if so. But I damn want- it, Matt! No, <laughs> God damn! No, I'm just kidding. I, I want the say- whole episode. Can we start over. <laughs> you know right. what? I, I I'm gonna have to quit. Hello, You're gonna have to do this without me. Welcome to Devil Fruit Punch. <laughs> uh, let me be clear. Um, <laughs> none of that happened just now. No, the the whole reveal there of like these. Like, it's One Piece. By this time, you're like, okay, yeah, you're on an island where you're on mountains that look like cactuses, and they have cactus spines. You you don't even really question it at this point. But when they zoom in and it reveals that these are just individual, you know, cross-shaped gravestones of, like, all the people that these mercenaries have, like, swindled and, and, you know, murdered and robbed, um, it's really anime and exaggerated. Like, it's, it's a little too much if you stop and think about it but if you just let it be cool i thought that was such a great moment of just this thing that i've been looking at for you know a good couple of chapters now is completely and very suddenly subverted my expectations i thought that was really neat yeah i think we keep coming back to this but the darkness contained in one piece is so it's so noticeable compared to the very light and goofy tone of of the, the the manga in general when you have an island of graves. <laughs> yeah. And then in the next frame, it'll be like two machismo dudes arguing about who's going to hunt the bigger rhino. Or <laughs> I mean, One Piece really is, if nothing else, it is a masterwork of juggling tone. Like, it can shift in and out of these very different emotional gears at the drop of a hat. It, it's yeah. it's really wild. Like, it, in a way that I've never seen anything else quite manage the way that one piece does it is truly a one-of-a-kind work yeah you can uh you can call one piece don toretto because uh <laughs> it really knows how to shift gears <laughs> thank you for just making a, a fast and the furious joke where family wasn't involved <laughs> the first time in the best decade i i, I genuinely appreciate that <laughs> it's not about the cars it's about the nakama <laughs> you're, you're the first or you're last <laughs> <laughs> that's right all right. Um, <laughs> I wanted to talk real quickly about one of the mercenaries. I thought about bringing this up earlier, Patrick, when you talked about you know how they get to Whiskey Peak and it's so warm and welcoming and inviting. But uh, this is actually jumping forward a little bit to where Zoro reveals that he knows what Baroque Works is and he starts taking them all on, just like 20 on one, just taking on all of these spies or whatever. Uh, one of 
the mercenaries who lives uh, on Whiskey Peak or whatever, I guess, is a nun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and she smokes a cigarette and fights. Her name is a. Uh, uh, because she, she takes the nun off. It's like Mrs. It's another Mrs. Well, Knight, she, she was one of the, the Brokeworks agents, right? Okay, it's I, like Miss Monday, name. right? Miss Monday, Monday, yeah. Miss okay, Monday. That was Miss Monday. Okay, I actually did she, not catch she that. Take, she takes the nun costume off and she's like super yeah. jacked. And then she takes the oh. stick and she lets she lets Miss uh, the princess go. Miss Wednesday. Yeah. I, and I literally her. have the wiki up because yeah. this gets so fucking confusing so quickly yeah. with these goddamn code names. <laughs> yeah. yeah for she's sure. the jack the jack nun with the with the uh, with the kid that tries <laughs> to trick Zolo. And okay. and it should be briefly mentioned that as Miss Monday, she was uh, the partner of Mr. Eight, who yeah, is Egrim, yeah, who we've been talking about, the me, me, me oh, guy. Oh, okay, all right, all right. I, I actually did not catch that. I just noticed that there was a nun smoking a cigarette, and I thought, <laughs> that's cool. And she has the cross that does the smoke shield thing, remember that? Oh, yeah, yeah. Because totally. Enzo like, goes behind her and goes up the ladder, and then he flips the ladder back. I, I love the whole scene of just Zolo on his own fighting the town. Yeah, um, <laughs> that was kind of it. Kind of cool. segues into into something I wanted to bring up if if I can grab that really fast. But there there are two things going on here that I really like. One is I think that there's like a, a reference to the fact that Zolo is fighting like a hundred people at once. Mm-hmm. Um, and. I don't know if y'all have any familiarity with Berserk, which is, you know, if you don't know what it is, it's a very, very prestigious, long-running series that has been extremely influential on a lot of other Japanese media. But there's a scene in that where the main character, Guts, has to fight a hundred knights all on his own. And it it's a great scene, but it ends up being this very, like, kind of foundational, you know, moment in his own reputation where a lot of people who haven't personally met him have heard this story, and uh, it, it just creates a lot of talk. And I think that, you know, Zolo, the one-piece swordsman fighting a hundred guys on his own, might have been just kind of a, a little nod to that, that I thought was fun. Um, but beyond that, there's just a theme that it doesn't come up very often. Um, the only other one I can think of off the top of my head is Trigun, which I love to death. Uh, quick side note, I just watched the first steps of the new anime. I'm very excited for that, but... Um, there's a fantastic episode of that called Hard Puncher, where the main character is a, a very, very, very wanted man, goes into a town and realizes that like literally every single person he meets is trying to capture him. Like like the you know, the the shoeshine boy, you know, the the kindly housewife who's, I don't know, like putting a pie on a windowsill, like the grandma who's just watching ducks, like all of them will pull out a gun. They're all trying to grab you all at the same time. And Whiskey Peak really felt like that to me. Um, there is no, like nobody's a civilian here. <laughs> Nobody is not involved in this conflict. Every yeah. single person here is out to get them. Um, and again, it's very exaggerated in anime, but like, what a scary situation that is, right? Like an entire community rising up as one against you. It's kind of the flip side of what we've seen at like Arlong Park or with like Buggy, where normally the villagers rise up against the bad guys, but here it's like the villagers are all out to get you personally. Yeah, and, and I they, guess it's kind of a testament to the Grand Line, right? Like, yeah. to, to live here, you have to be kind of fucking tough, right? 
Yeah, and it, it's like the the log poses and like the cardinal directions and the calm belt. The, the whole point is you can never really let your guard down because you never right. know what's going to come around the corner. For sure. Um, Patrick, did you have anything you wanted to touch on? I also wrote down <clears throat> something that made me laugh, which was the... I don't know the name of the animal. <clears throat> oh, I know it's an otter. I don't know the name of the character, but the otter and the hawk. Or the, the unluckies. Vulture. Yeah. The unluckies, yeah. Yeah. So the otter, when um, <laughs> when somebody reveals the, the number one person is the crocodile guy, right? Mm-hmm. And then it was like, oh, my God, he said the name. Everyone's going to come after you and kill you now. And then um, I think... It's Nami, right? It is that, Nami, like, tries yeah. to run away and be like, oh, they don't know what I look like. At least I'll be safe. And then you see the otter, like, doing a sketch artist. Like, <laughs> yeah. Or, or quickly drawing the sketch of her and, like, a showing perfect it. perfect like, sketch. Gotcha, like, gotcha yeah. bitch. <laughs> <And> then, yeah. <laughs> I, I laughed, laughed so hard. <laughs> I laughed when I saw that. I was like, God, that's funny. It's so funny. I'm so glad you brought that up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That was, uh, that was a highlight of this, uh, this arc, I believe. I, I saw yeah. the still from the anime <laughs> when researching this, and, like, I, I'll, I'll paste it in the chat here, but like I thought it was so much funnier in the manga because he literally draws it the way that they're drawn in the manga. It's like a perfect, <laughs> perfect realization, like a photo. <laughs> yeah, that was awesome. Yeah, that me. that shit was funny. Just that whole like slapstick sequence where she's like, "I can't tell you his name because if I tell you his name, then you know you'll be hunted forever." And then she's like, "I would never tell you about." crocodile yeah. oh fuck <laughs> the panel when it, like it's like a black panel with white like outlines and she's got her hands yeah. clapped on her face <laughs> everyone's like why did you do that <laughs> oh the otter's name is mr 13 yeah yeah, yeah. i yeah. i i sorry i love the unluckies the i just thought about this now but like they'd really do remind me of um what are the two agents from the umbrella academy it's Hippo or, you know, have you seen that show? I have not seen it. I've heard it's great, but I haven't seen it, unfortunately. It's, re- it's really good. Um, uh, there's two characters. It's a guy and a woman. And it's um, the, the actress that plays. They have like similar names. They're like men in black kind of dressing. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, black I mean, suits. <clears throat> and they're like, they're assassins. That sounds spot on and like very much of the kind of yeah. media sounds like it was riffing on the same kind of media that like yeah, yeah, broke exactly. works is riffing on i just I, I wanted to like it's so funny to me in very one piece of like at any given time you can look over your shoulder and there's like a sea otter and a vulture wearing like ridiculous black sunglasses and making like fuck you intimidation faces and not saying anything and then just flying away and you know you're fucked <laughs> Uh, yeah. it, I don't know, it, just being that silly and that much of a vision of doom at the same time is, is very One Piece to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it's, uh, their names are Cha-Cha and Hazel. Cha-Cha and Hazel. <laughs> and That's Cha-Cha awesome. is played by Mary J. Blige. That's fantastic. Yeah, I love great. Mary J. Blige. I'm seeing here also that Mr. 13, uh, the Sea Otter's partner, is Miss Friday. <laughs> that is the vulture. There are so many days of the week that I... I really can only remember Monday and Sunday. I don't remember anybody else. If I didn't have the wiki open, yeah, I'd be like, that's honestly one of the worst things about this arc is that like every, every man has a number and every woman has a day or a holiday. And it's really hard to keep them straight. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, but on that subject, do you guys want to talk about, what was it, All Sunday? Miss, Miss All Sunday? All Miss All Sunday. Sunday. Yeah, I wanted to talk about her because she has a turtle, and his name is Bungie. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I would die for Bungie. I would I die for him. I would die for Miss All Sunday, to be honest. <laughs> um, so I, I said last episode that I would tell you when my favorite character in the entire thing showed up. And this is perhaps giving away a little bit too much for Patrick, but um, I got to say it, Miss All Sunday is my favorite character in all of One Piece. Um, oh, yeah. Uh, tell us in detail what you like about her. <laughs> well, it's we can't go into detail right now because we don't, yeah. just don't know enough. Thanks about for her telling yet. me that she's gonna come back. Uh, I mean, if, if Buggy came back, <laughs> Miss All Sunday shows up like a, a like a bolt of lightning. I mean, she's literally like sitting on their like you know um, their banister or whatever, the railing. Nobody saw her get on board. It's right after this preposterous scene where Igarim dresses up like sexy Miss Wednesday with these like dummies. Uh, and according to the SBS, I guess the dummies had the Japanese character for like dummy, but with an extra little flourish that made it say poop instead or something like that. Hmm. And it's this whole thing of like, go on where, you know, I'm going to buy cover for you. And then their ship just fucking explodes. And like the a moment later, Miss All Sunday shows up and everything about this is weird and disorienting and confusing. Um, we find out that Miss All Sunday is, you know, the top-ranked female agent in this organization, which is only relevant to say that, you know, the men have the numbers, women have the holidays. I don't know what the hell All Sunday means to me. I, I interpret that as, like, a state of perpetual Sunday, an eternal weekend, an eternal Lord's Day. I don't know. If that's not what it is, <laughs> please write us. <laughs> write us an email. I have no idea. But Yeah, it's kind of confusing because they have Miss Golden Week, which is, like, that's a real... yeah. Thing. That's like a yeah. It's it's like a three day weekend or something in Japan, something like that. Um, maybe it's just for like high schoolers or middle schoolers or something. But but yeah, like she shows up. She's got this jaunty little cowboy hat. Um, I'll just say she's extremely hot. Uh, I love I love Miss All Sunday's design, even though she is another example of Oda really drawing all hot women in the exact same way. <laughs> yeah. But it's not clear what her motivations are we find out that like she is the only one trusted enough to know that mr zero is crocodile and she told that to them um she even says like here is a guaranteed route to a safe island that nobody else in the organization knows about um which is a great moment we should touch on but then also it's like it it seems like she killed igarim and I'm saying this to provoke a little discussion with you, Patrick, because you mentioned last episode that uh, so far it seemed like she has the coolest power so far. But to me, they're like, oh, you're a devil fruit user. But I don't think it's really clear what her power actually is at this point. Um, so I just wanted to discuss that a little. <clears throat> well, I thought they made it. They showed that she lifted. I mean, like Luffy's straw hat. She took like literally like telekinesis, telekinesis eyed. She like grabbed it, yeah. yeah, yeah, and like she put it on her head, and then also she did something where like pushing somebody—I I can't quite remember—but like pushing someone or pulling someone, something like that, like with her yeah. mind. I, I think this might be a classic example of like him being very specific about what he does and does not show. Because mm-hmm. you're right, she does like somehow obtain his hat, 
Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it makes a lot of sense to go like, here's a panel where you know he's got the hat on. Here's a panel where she's got the hat. Where if this were like animated, maybe it's like okay, you got to get from A to B. What's the most obvious explanation? She just grabbed it with her mind somehow. Oh, so maybe she's like super fast. I like, th- yeah, there might be something else going. No on. spoilers, Matt. No I'm spoilers. not spoiling. I'm not spoiling anything. <laughs> but it, to me, it, it really ties into her like general mysteriousness, like. Yeah, she's, I was going to say that too. It definitely mysterious. makes yes. her seem more mysterious for sure. Yeah, she doesn't say much. What she says, people don't believe, and she mm-hmm. doesn't care. Very and mysterious. She, and, then she, and then she goes away, and it's like, take it or leave it. I'm here. But she, uh, it's almost like someone. She's like a super all powerful being that like is here to say <laughs> things to provoke people, and like doesn't care what you do with it. And that's kind of rare. Like most people, yeah. like get offended if you don't believe them, or say like, you know what. What? I'm trying to help you, like what, like Zolo, like Zolo, like he, he is trying to help Luffy. Yeah, tell him the truth of why everyone's, why everyone was knocked out and like left for dead, basically on the island, and like Luffy doesn't believe him, and he gets super pissed, right? Especially when Luffy keeps finding him, but like she seems to just not care about anything and very, very uh, nonchalant. Well, yeah, there, there's a great moment where, you know, she's trying to guarantee them a, a safe way. She literally says, like, the way yeah. you're going right now, you're going to get fucked. <laughs> um, here, do this instead. And Luffy, another great Luffy moment. He he takes the eternal pose that she slings of, like, the, you know, so-called safe harbor to, I think, like, Nothing Island or something. And he just destroys it. And he says, you don't get to tell us where we're going. <laughs> <laughs> yeah and i mean really yeah. we also don't know like if that's true or not like maybe she was trying to trick them or something the plot the plot demands that he destroys so, it and they do not have an easy path i i was right. reading up on this a little um if you don't mind me jumping ahead a little can i speak to what the generally accepted interpretation of what nothing no. island was no you may not man. it's within this arc it's not spoilers okay. or anything okay okay um, so, like, way, way, way later on, we get to the Island Eater, the gigantic Neptunian goldfish. Mm-hmm. And there's a line about how the goldfish has... It poops islands! It poops islands. And, and, and so the generally accepted interpretation of Nothing Island is that that was the poop island that the, the, the giant pirates the landed on before coming to Little Garden. I so can I, see I, that. Yeah. yeah. I don't know if that's confirmed or not, but I kind of buy it, but... You know, long story short, though, when he crushes the log pose, she's not, like you were saying, Patrick, she's not offended. She's not put off. That makes her like him more. <laughs> it, it intrigues her. She's like, oh, it, you're interesting. Cool. I hope you. I hope that we meet again. You know, good luck. I, I love Miss All Sunday. I'm sure that's come through. But um, <laughs> I, I'm excited for whatever else will come from uh, this particular character. Well, hell yeah. Um, since we've pretty much made our way to Little Garden, let's go ahead and talk about Little Garden. A lot going on in this island, so is there anything that anyone wants to start with? I mean, we have our, uh, committed life partners, what is it, Broggy and Dory? (laughs) Broggy and Dory. Yeah. I mean, I've definitely got something to say about them, but I I don't want to necessarily go in too, too soon. (laughs) Oh, actually, uh, sir, before we get to that, can I just say one last thing about uh, Whiskey Peak? Absolutely not. No. Okay, yeah, cool. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted to say, like, to me, East Blue, everything up to this point was really like training wheels and anticipation. Uh, and, like, we're really in the big leagues here, right? Like, Broke Works is here to stay, you know. It's very cliche, but we're not in Kansas anymore. It's it, like, like, they're playing on a higher level now. And um, 
I really enjoyed Baroque works is so weird and mysterious that like it gets to have nuance within itself. Because like, like the, all the higher ups so far seem to be complete freaks. There's a line we get in Little Garden that like the, yeah the top five partnerships are all extremely dangerous, but below that it's a little looser. Yeah, and like Mister Nine, who, who I can't even remember what his power is supposed to be. The, the, you know the, this foppish Austin Powers guy with like a fake crown, um, and then Miss Monday, who is Egram's power. The you know the smoking nun. They. You know, when push comes to shove and they, they learn that, you know, Vivi and Igram are both, you know, double agents, they stick with their partners even then. Like, like they don't become enemies. And to me, like, like sense of loyalty is like a really important theme in One Piece. And, and something I brought up a lot of, on these, like, enemy pirate organizations thus far is so many of them lack loyalty. So many of them are ruled by, you know, fear or coercion. And that the Straw Hats really kind of win because they are a group that are loyal to one another. And for better or for worse, you know, now that you're on the Grand Line, I think to exist on the Grand Line, you have to have the capacity for personal allegiance, comradeship, and loyalty to each other. Um, yeah. And I thought that was just a nice little nod to that. Yeah, the Baroque works is somewhat interesting in that, in that way. I think somewhat interesting is the perfect uh, perfect description for that. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to give them too much credit. I yeah, mean. they're all right. <laughs> they get the job done. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, let's let's talk about let's talk about Mister Motherfucking Three and oh, the God. bomb ale. Well, for the bomb ale, we got to mention Mister Five, who showed up last arc, and and just to say, this is a guy who, who flicks boogers at people while turning them into bombs. <gasps> I think we can all agree that's cool. Did not see that coming. (laughs) He looks so cool, and then you find out his power is napalm boogers, and you're (laughs) and I'm like, whoa, wow. And I think there's an SBS question about that. And Oda's just like, yeah, I laughed really hard when I came up with that idea. (laughs) Yeah, he laughed. So, guys, if his boogers are bombs, then. His cum is also bombs, right? I I I didn't no. want to say anything. I was worried you were going in that direction. <laughs> I think we already have a, a cum cum fruit user here, and he uh, they call it wax. Oh we all know god. what it really is. Oh god, <laughs> dude! I didn't think about that, but like that is one of the things about like a black and white publication, right? That it's like. Yeah, <laughs> this, it could be anything. <laughs> this off-white substance that's just caked uh, everywhere. I'm not going to not think about that. <laughs> you I know? mean, like, uh, yeah, that's what it, it's got to be. <laughs> oh, no, I'm too stiff to move now. <laughs> so this is a, a bit of a tangent, but do y'all know Splatoon, the game where you have to ink everything and cover it with yeah. it? Yeah. So, like, for years, like, there's this taboo against either red ink or white ink. It just never happened. And then at the same time, they introduced both, which is what's the best condiment? And it was ketchup versus mayonnaise. Sure. So it was, sure it was. literally sure it was team blood versus team cum. It was incredible. <laughs> <laughs> um, Thanks yeah, for man. that, both of you. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, listen, we're just asking the hard-hitting questions here at Devil Fruit I Punch. Mean, can we talk about the candelabra guy? Because like, I just <laughs> cannot for the life of me figure out... <laughs> I know it's. I know none of this makes sense, but like it's a little high concept. Yeah. <laughs> like okay, you're telling me this guy's like okay. First of all, he's like on top. He's like throwing candle logs <laughs> that encapsulate people's <laughs> legs and arms when they make it. I was like, oh okay, that's. I can see how that works. Yeah. 
And then he's like, you know, going to encase their feet. They can't move. He traps them. Goes the sword thing, like the gigantic sword in the giant's arms or hands and feet. Yeah. Traps them. Like, oh, I'm on board. All right, man. And then takes a left turn, man. And he goes straight into fucking candelabra, gigantic candelabra with the that is like a pumpkin also somehow yeah yeah and uh and just slowly flings a mist of wax <laughs> everywhere that goes into the inside of people's bodies and turns them wax from the inside out and i'm like oh you lost me man like i, I don't know like as far as villain goes or, or villain like special yeah. powers go i'm like it seems like there's more direct ways to be like he was on fire and then he lost me at the uh the fountain of cum that he made so, uh, i don't know i i mean that if if that bothered you patrick <laughs> didn't bother me i would just i it was just uh he was it's really not set up for success to, you know to, to, to do not set well, up for success he had direct routes all around him and he went he went for the the least effective route it, it, well, it's patrick, it's hubris I, I mean if you didn't like uh giant candelabra that shoots misty cum wax into the air how did you feel about giant mecca made of wax <laughs> uh i was on board with that one actually okay okay i like i don't know how they painted it so fast <laughs> like, it seemed like it seemed like one panel it was wax armor me- mecca mecca uh mr five right uh three uh, no, mr yeah mr three mr. three mr. three yeah mr three mecca mr three and then the next panel, he was like, okay, the paint's dry. And I'm like, wait, what? Well, and, okay. and it's even weirder because, like, his partner, Miss Golden Week, offers to paint him with armor. And he's like, no, 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 that's not necessary. And, like, the next page, he's fully painted. And he's like, okay, ready to go. It's like, all right, that, that's... <laughs> also, uh, when you first meet him in his little lair, and uh, he's talking to the two... I think he's talking to Mr. Five and the... Miss... Go- uh, Miss- I forget whoever... <laughs> Friday, Miss Valentine, maybe. No, Miss Valentine. Yes. See, this this is a nightmare. I, I yeah. Where <laughs> <laughs> like somebody says something like, "Uh, you're gonna blow my cover." He's like, "Don't call me Mister Three. You're gonna blow my cover." He's got a fucking lumber yeah. three on top of his head as his hair. <laughs> what? Well, and, and he's got these like uh, like stitchings in her, his jacket, yeah, which are also three. threes. And, yeah. And like the yeah. bowl or cup he was drinking from had threes all around it. <laughs> yeah. He's yeah. Like, you're gonna blow my cover, man. <laughs> What's that's a, that like, classic One Piece villain? Totally and oblivious. his phone, his his Gary the Snail phone. Oh, has okay. The mustache. Yeah, <laughs> and it has threes all up. Yeah, I, I'm. I'm great. This is jumping ahead a little bit. Like this is the first time I think we see the snail phones. That is, is one of my favorite little One Piece details. That there's, and sorry, this is getting ahead maybe a little bit, but like the idea is genuinely that there's a species of snail that just can communicate with each other long term. So Listen. phones were never invented because you don't need phones because you Space have these snail. snails. <laughs> Listen, there's a race of snails that has a highly sophisticated hive mind AI that connects them all, and that's all you need to know. That's how I read it. I had what? no problem with the space communication snail. <laughs> well, it, it, you, see, you see the remember the panel when they are intercepting the snail communication? Yeah, I was going to say later on we find out there's a spy snail too. <laughs> yeah, the spy snail's like this, and it's all black and space yeah. around. And he's like, I, I have, I have you now. <laughs> Yeah, no, the, I, I agree, Matt. I also love the snail phones. Oh, he, he runs so wild with that idea. It's so good. Um, Patrick, I think everything you just said about Mr. Three is entirely valid. If I can try to unpack it from my perspective a little, I think we have two things really going on here with Mr. Three. 
Um, so Mr. Three is a wax wax man. He used the wax wax fruit. And I think one on a meta level is like Oda is typically very good about being very creative about saying, okay, this is what this guy can do. What does that mean? And um, he comes up with so many ideas for this, right? Like he creates these like shackles, these like logs, these barriers, these houses, like mecha armor. And he tops it up with this completely preposterous, super elaborate, like, oh, what if I create like a, a 50 foot statue that looks like a jack-o'-lantern and a champagne glass or something, or a margarita glass, I guess. And it just randomly sprays like a wax fog that turns people into wax statues. Like it's so overcooked, but I think where that comes from in terms of the character is like that's pure hubris, because Mister Three's whole deal is ha ha ha. I'm smarter than everybody. I don't need to risk direct confrontation. It's him stunting. He's showing off, like he thinks he's already won. Like this is you're right. It's a terrible fucking plan. Like like it's so open to attack. He's just so proud of how fucking clever he is. He's so proud of how much he's owned the straw hats. That he's literally like, I'm going to make actual physical trophies of the corpses of my enemies. And they're going to look excruciatingly anguished. Because that's more fun to me because I'm a serial killer psycho. Not Zola, yeah. though. He's uh, he's going full statue. Yeah. <laughs> you know, knows he's going to die. And that bugs pose. him. Like, I, it, it throws him off so much. <laughs> I, I love that part when he's, like, doing the pose. And they're like, what are you doing? And he's like, if I'm going to be a statue, I want to be in this pose. <laughs> that, like, that right, was... right before they're about to like have the life squeezed out of them by wax, Zoro yeah. turns to Vivi and Nami, and he's like, "See, I told you, you should have, you should have done a pose. Now done you're done fucked." <laughs> that was great, but like, also, that's on the heels of one of my favorite Zello moments in the whole thing is when you know, like, one of the is it Bragi or Dory? I, I, I get them mixed up. I think it's Bragi, right? The the kind I, of I couldn't I couldn't tell which one was. I know. I think Dory is the one with the long beard, right? Yeah, I so. I, yeah. I'm looking it up now. Yeah, Dory is kind of the, like the tall, bearded guy, and um, Bragi is kind of a, a bit shorter and more squat. But um, Dory's the one that gets blown up by the ale, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so Bragi is like giving up. Like he's fully pinned down. He's been told if you if you try to get up, you're gonna like rip off your arms and your legs. And he he's actually like losing his fighting spirit, and then Zolo is like, "Hey, what if we both agree to like maim ourselves and like I'll just cut my legs off? It's fine. I'll just cut my legs off." When he said that, I was like, "Please don't." And and, 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 and he like starts like he gets like halfway through. I forgot that he actually like starts wailing he, on himself. But he says he goes halfway. Well, like the when you see there's some scene. Where you see him and it looks like his stumps, like his legs end in stumps because his feet are in the wax. Yeah. But they're all bloody and he's like, and you're like, oh my god, he fucking did it. Because he's like appearing next to some, I think he's next to Luffy or somebody. But and then he's like, yeah, I got halfway through. I was like, oh no. It's that he was willing to go through with that. Like to me, that, that, that is a peak Zolo moment of like, I would rather not have feet than ever just accept that I'm going to die. Like, like if I can if I can still fight a little bit, like I don't know how I'm gonna do it, but I'm gonna give it a shot. He's just a fox. He's just a fox, you know. Zolo rules. Your own leg off, you know. Look, look, if we have to be Team Sanji or, or Zolo, I am still Team Sanji. But Zolo's a king. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nah, I think I'm Team Zolo now. That's yes. fine. No, it's based yes. on every, hold on. It's based on everything we've seen thus far, I would completely agree with you. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I love there, Zoro. There, 
and I definitely want to talk about Zolo and uh, Sanji a little bit later, but um, I've, I've been talking too much right now. You're cut off, Matt. Yeah, please. <laughs> Time out. <laughs> I feel like we have talked a little bit, or quite a bit, I guess, about Mr. Three and uh, his wax powers. The last thing I wanted to say about it is I really like how he made the mistake twice of giving Luffy a hammer attached to his limbs. <laughs> that was so fun. Yeah, this guy can't help himself. He, he just yeah. thinks he's so cool. <laughs> yeah, and every time he puts like a wax hammer on the end of Luffy, Luffy's like, oh, all right, buddy, you fucked up. Yeah, it's this whole thing like, oh, I've beaten you already. My plan is so good. But, like, he can't improvise. He can't just, like, act on the fly. <laughs> he falls apart. Do you guys want to talk a little bit about uh, the Giants specifically? Maybe a little bit about Usopp and how he admires them and all that? Yeah, I totally. I want to talk about uh, what you're enjoying there, John. <laughs> yeah, a peanut butter jelly sandwich. Sutsuka munching on a little something, something. Yeah, I'm eating cat treats because I can't afford food. <laughs> you know what? I actually believe you, John. <laughs> so yeah, if you uh, are listening to this podcast, <clears throat> send me money so I can buy real food. John will starve unless you support us. Yeah, wasn't that a bad TV cover? Like, buy this magazine or we'll shoot the dog. <laughs> We're gonna do a save our bluths, but it's save our. Uh, Devil fruits. Save our devil fruits, yes. <laughs> My cat is begging you, please buy me food so I can stop eating her food. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot what you asked, John. Do we talk about who? Uh, no, uh, you, you stop in the giants. Oh, yeah. the giants. Um, I, uh, how do I feel about the giants? The giants weren't like as terribly interesting to me as other characters. I think mm-hmm. their 100 year long feud is pretty interesting. Um, they were more interesting after the wax come battle. Mm-hmm. The, when they break free, you know, they find their inner strength and break the bonds of the dried cum and uh, come back, you know, and save the day, basically. Yeah. They uh, Then they started being cooler to me. And Oh, actually, the ale bomb, we didn't really talk about that, but the ale bomb, that was surprising to me, like, when it blew up, and I thought, I, was, I didn't know who did it. I was like, did Nami do that? Because it was kind of ambiguous when she starts talking about it. And then... You know, they figure out that it's someone else on the island, but... I would not put it past Nami to do some shit like that. Oh, I can see yeah, that, cause yeah. because she, she did say something. I can't remember the exact terms, but she said something like, it's, oh, it's the only way we can get out of here now with them sleeping or something like that, or with them, that one of them, with them down or out or something like that. Well, yeah, I mean, they they see these, like, dozens, if not hundreds of, like, human skulls, and, and yeah, I, think I think she... Yeah, eat people. Yeah, she immediately assumes like the, the giants killed all these people. We're going to die. They're they're trying to fatten us up. They're going to eat us. Yeah. I like yeah. the giant. Like, sorry, John. Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say I didn't. I I didn't really like it that much. Like, yeah. I thought Usopp was kind of stupid for being so impressed by their like toxic masculinity, basically. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I'm, I'm I'm open to hearing other people's uh, takes on it. The Giants are, like, they're interesting because they are kind of like Luffy in a way. Um, they're very simple, and if you get their deal, then, like, you can really just kind of immediately kind of cut through it all. Like, to me, they're a classic example. Again, I'm nerding out and just comparing One Piece to D&D, but very classic kind of thing. Here are these gigantic things. They've got a specific thing going on. How do you react? And um, it turns out, you know, they're very friendly. They have a very specific 
value system and a cultural baggage, but like they're talking about the skulls and like, oh yeah, little people can't survive here. It takes a year for the like the log post to reset. Uh, the whole reason it's called Little Garden is because everything here is fucking huge, so it's only small to the people who live here. Um, but there's like a throwaway line of like, yeah, some of them attacked us as soon as they met us, and so we killed them. And it, it's just very matter of fact, you know. Like they're they're simple, they're they're straightforward. But to me, that that's very true of Luffy also. Like when, um, God, I'm already forgetting which one is which. When Dory. Yeah, Dory thinks that, um, you know, the newcomer spiked the ale with a bomb. He's very, very scary for a frame or two. He, he, he's like, who else could have done it? I know Bragi wouldn't have done it. It has to be you. Yeah. Um, it's kind of terrifying. But, like, and I guess this is kind of tying into, like, what I wanted to say about them, which is that, like, we, we end up finding out, They've been fighting a hundred years for this conflict. That's you know both of them have forgotten what its roots are, and it turns out they are both the co-captains of a crew of giants from Elbif. And and I kind of get why this like motivates Usopp because they're like the living ideals of what he wants to be. He's like I'm a weak, cowardly guy. I want to be big and tough and strong. You can't really get bigger or tougher or stronger than these guys of everyone we've met. And the idea yeah. of like, oh, there's a whole island of all these people. I could see that. Like, Usopp's a romantic guy. He does tall tales, right? Like, he would have loved Paul Bunyan. Um, yeah. You know, oh, yeah, there's totally, there's a hundred man with like a 500 foot tall ox. Yeah, ab absolutely. That's where I want to go. Yeah. It's a little. I mean, it's yeah. also like scary to consider the idea of a pirate crew that is made up of entirely these guys. Like, exactly. Wow. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's another one piece. I'm like, how do you deal with that? And, and yeah. like the rep seems to be like, nobody was able to deal with that. They kind of got away with whatever they wanted to do. I find that it, it's a little hard to take it too seriously because it's a little hard to take Usopp seriously. Like he says and does these things, but he kind of can't escape being who he is at least so far. Um, but ultimately like we do find out, you know, the whole origins of their conflict was this little girl says after both Dory and Bragi brought in, you know, a kill, they're like, oh, but which one is bigger? Very innocently, and they get into an argument. This is an exact mirror for Sanji and uh, and, and Zolo's conflict when they got to the island. Sanji, yeah, uh, I didn't think about that. Yeah, like, Zolo says, you know, like, I'm going to go get us some meat, and, you know, I'm going to get something you could never get. And Sanji says, what? Excuse me? Okay, no, and now it's on. But the yeah. difference is, yeah. That sorry, also, that also mirrors the way that Nami convinced Zoro to uh, help her, you know, get like extort Vivi for money, basically. Which was, she was like, "Oh, you probably think that you can't beat them, so that's why you don't want to do it." You know, it's kind of like yeah. playing into the the toxic masculinity to kind of like manipulate Zoro, and absolutely, uh, that's kind of like the same trap that that these characters fall into where they're like in perpetual competition with one another. Well, it, it, I think that to me, Dory and Bragi and, and like Sanji and, and Zolo are, are really like, they're both mirroring each other. And I think studying either pair reveals something about the other. And like Dory and Bragi love each other. Like they are so closely bond. Like there's a really great moment of, of like, 
Bragi ultimately wins the first out of some like 14,000 duels. And, you know, he starts sobbing and he reveals like, I knew that my friend was wounded. I knew that he wasn't up to this, but like, I'm not going to dishonor him by, you know, treating him with anything less than absolute, you know, honor and respect. And as we're seeing this kind of rivalry really start to play, you know, establish itself between Sanji and Zolo, I, I think even though nobody, neither one of them would say it because they haven't had a hundred years to play it out. Like, I think they're so close to one another. They, they, they bond so much. But like, Dorian Bragi had a problem that the Straw Hats don't have, which is that they were both the pirates of their crew. Nobody was there to check them. And um, when I was rereading this, I'm like, yeah, I, I kind of remember what happened, but like, what happened to their crew? Did they just leave? Did they all die? And, and I forget that this just doesn't answer it. But like, they don't have anybody to say, you're being an idiot, knock it off. Which is exactly what happens to Sanji and Zolo at the end of this. You know, they, they get into that exact argument, no mind's bigger, no mind's bigger. And somebody's like, well, I don't know. And somebody says, who gives a shit? And, and they all leave. Because, you know, ultimately the whole idea of the Straw Hats is that they have to have each other to shore up their own weaknesses. Um, yeah. Most of these crews are, are based around a single personality, like a single dictator, a single, you know, captain or visionary or whatever. And they'll kind of have to conform to it. Um, like right now, the best example we see is Baroque works where its leader, we've only got a glimpse of him, but clearly it's hyper focused on, you know, security, secretiveness, treachery, and all of his minions, you know, kind of have to wrap themselves around that. Yeah. The straw hats. Uh, yeah. The Baroque works organization revolves around loyalty to crocodile, not loyalty to the entire group like the straw yeah, hats you know exactly it, it, it's not mutual but like luffy's crew they follow him and they obey him because he's captain but like sometimes they have to interpret what that means mm -hmm. and and it, it's a representation of freedom which i think is a very important theme in one piece you know freedom of thought freedom of action freedom of, of ideology and it, the Straw Hats are just a really great underspoken example of, of how that's a real strength, that how they're able to build greater cohesion by being themselves and trusting each other, you know, instead of, of having to fit into more of a top-down hierarchical structure. My God, these Straw Hat pirates are poisoned by ideology. Pure ideology. <laughs> anyway, sorry, that's my long soapbox, but I think that's the last thing I had to say. My God. Uh, no, yeah. So I, I agree with all that. I, I think the the giants are are interesting in in, in that respect. Um, all right. Uh, is there anything that you guys wanted to talk about besides that? Just a quick shout out to the, the discussion on that swords having a will. Last episode comes up again when uh, the you know we already talked about it, but when Zolo says you know, oh like you're a rambunctious sword cutting whatever you please. You should only cut what I want you to cut. Yeah. Yeah, that was that was a, a cool little sequence. Um, also, Zoro is training by swinging around weights oh, yeah. like their swords, which was kind of cool. <laughs> oh, I forgot that that's another Berserk reference. Now that I think, yeah, that's an yeah. exact scene. You know, everyone's celebrating. He's just sitting in a corner, just swinging the sword over and over again. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, uh, cool. What a what a great little arc. I I, I think it's cool. We gotta rate it, right? Yeah, yeah. Let's let's go ahead and rate it. Um, I'm actually gonna go first. I'm gonna give this a B. 
Um, I think that the main villain, the wax guy, I actually kind of liked. I, I like in One Piece when they take a power that doesn't seem that scary, and then Oda finds a way to make it very sinister. And honestly, being turned into wax from the inside out is actually pretty scary to me, and I like that he went there with it. Um, the giants were whatever for me, but yeah, the 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 whole thing with Mr. Three did work for me, so I'm going to go ahead and do a B rank for this one. Patrick, what do you think? I'm going to give this arc a solid 6 out of 7 Gum Gum Kingdoms. I think it... I The minor quibbles I have with it um, are outweighed by the coolness of the story. Like, number 3's um, Gum Fountain wasn't really a fan of, but uh, everything else I thought was pretty solid. And, uh, I didn't... I thought the Giants were okay. I don't think I disliked them as much as you, but I... Don't think I have a lot to complain about in this this arc. Hell yeah, uh, Matt. What do you think? What, what, where would you rank this on a on a scale of F to S? S being the highest. Uh, I think I think B is pretty spot on to be honest. Like it, it, it's very rare for me to for One Piece to like get to like a C level. Um, I think this is fine. It was all right, but like I I also think there's kind of a reason why. I only remembered like the very broad spoke stroke uh, bits and pieces from this. It, it didn't stick with me as much as the really cool parts. It's fine. I like the giants a lot conceptually. Um, you know, like they're the second kind of non-human race that we've seen other than like fish people. Yeah. Um, so far. So I think it's important, like the world building or whatever, but um, beyond that, it, it's fine. Like we're, we're just kind of moving along, but we're, we're not where we want to get to yet, which is, Clearly the kingdom of Alabasta, except, oh wait, uh, Nami's extremely sick all of a sudden, so we got to deal with that. Yeah. Yeah, I totally forgot that that was in the, these chapters. But yeah, yeah, they don't lead up to it at all, which, which again is not a point in its favor. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I guess, yeah, I guess we'll see what happens with that, though. Um, we have some exciting stuff coming up, so... Yeah. With that being said, uh, thank you for listening to Devil Fruit Punch, and please do rate and review our podcast on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you got this podcast. And if you feel it in your heart, please do send us an email at devilfruitpunch at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. And until next time, ahoy! Ahoy! Ahoy!